chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, and it reads like this. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So what is peace? I mean, it's a word that you hear a lot in this season. Everyone seems to know. You see it on cards. You see it on signage that it's a season of peace. And if you ask anyone, whether they follow Jesus or not, what the season of Christmas is about, there's a really good chance you're going to hear a response that says something about peace. It's a season of peace. But what does peace mean? Really? You don't really have to dig very far into Scripture, and we're not going to dig super far into it, but today I'm going to outline you, I, I, with you, I think, what, what we see peace to mean. You don't have to dig very far into Scripture. You don't have to dig very far into Jesus' words to find something unexpected, okay? Find something that's quite unexpected, something that you desire, you and I desire, something that we actually all are desperate for, but we never knew we needed, at least you may have never known you needed it in the way that you need it. So here it is, our big idea for today. God reconstructs us for peace. Now, that's a little bit of an odd statement. God reconstructs us for peace. That kind of hints at the fact that there needs to be a tearing down of something in you so that he can build something new up, all right? So the first thing that we're going to talk about is um, what doesn't peace mean, all right? What did the angels not mean when they said that he came to bring earth to bring peace? What did they not mean? The first thing is this. It doesn't mean that Jesus came for political or international peace, all right? That's not what that means. All right, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that Jesus came to end all wars and conflicts. You say, well, how do you know that's not what that means? That seems like that's exactly what that means. That, that's what Miss America always, contestants always say they want, world peace. All right? At least when I was a kid. I haven't watched that in probably 20 years, but all right? So, so, so that's the thing. It's peace, right? Well, what do you mean it's not political international peace, right? I, I, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. If Jesus came... To, to establish world peace internationally, can I say this, that he's done a really poor job at it? And he's really messed it up. Okay? I mean, the 20th century, historians will tell you, was the bloodiest, most violent century in human history. And we've just started the 21st century. I have a feeling it'll be worse. So what did it mean? All right? I mean, isn't that a hurdle for a lot of people? I, I think it's a hurdle for a lot of us in the room, uh, to be honest with you, that the fact that we, we have a God who allows war and genocide and violence and murder, that is a huge hurdle for people coming to faith. It's a huge, it's a huge barrier. It's, it, actually, it has turned many believers away from faith, that we have a God that allows such atrocities. All right? I want to look at Jesus' words here in, in Luke. We just wrote Luke 2. I want to look at Luke 21 as Luke writes the story of Jesus. 
in verse 10, when Jesus is warning his disciples about the coming destruction of the city of Jerusalem, which happened uh, 40 years after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem. And this is what Jesus says as a warning to his disciples. He says, then uh, he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in Matthew, he says, you're going to hear rumors of wars and you're going to see lots of it. All right? Jesus is saying, war is always going to be with you. Violence is always going to be with you. In fact, as you live on earth, it's going to get worse. So if Jesus said that, and Jesus came to bring peace, why are we dealing with such war? Just everything you see on the news right now. I'll tell you why. Because that is not what the angel meant when they said he came to bring peace. It couldn't be. Now, yes, God hates war and he hates violence. And let me tell you this. Let me put this on us for a little bit. God didn't put it on it. God put it on us. And he calls Christians to be peacemakers. So he calls you and me to step into the war, to step into the violence, to step into the atrocities and fight for justice and speak for love. But let me tell you this, why the angels didn't mean international peace. Because our Heavenly Father knew that there was a war that needed fixing in our lives, and it was far more deadly than any war will ever be. And so he stepped into it. Number two, what peace doesn't mean. It doesn't mean international peace. It couldn't mean because Jesus said you're going to have war all the time. It's going to get worse. Here's the second thing. It doesn't mean inner peace. All right? Now let's talk about that for a second. The angels weren't announcing, hear this, to the shepherds in a, a, that, that morning or that evening, hey, inner psychological peace is now for everyone. All right? The angels weren't saying, you know, human beings, it's now time. Jesus has come so that you could find yourself so that you could discover the real you, right? So that you can find your peace. Jesus has come to solve all the psychological burdens in your mind and heart. That's not what it meant. That's not what they were saying at all. Now, look what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, all right? Because we're going to unwind that one real quick. He says, I have come to bring fire on earth. Do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No. I tell you, but division. Now, try putting that on a Christmas card you send this month. Okay? Happy holidays. God bless you. Jesus came to bring fire into your life and to divide it. All right? Merry Christmas. May the peace of God be with you. It doesn't, it just doesn't feel good. Now, that's what Jesus said he came to bring. Now, does that sound contradictory? The, the angel said, peace on earth. Peace on earth. And Jesus says, you think I came to bring peace? No, I didn't. I came to divide things. What Jesus is saying is, if I come into your life, I will disrupt it. I will cause disruption in your life. You will believe and say and do things that will cause conflict between you and other people if you follow Jesus. You will live a life of generosity that people don't understand. You will offer, listen, forgiveness instead of resentment, and people will say, how could you forgive them? 
you'll, you'll, you'll live out a life that oozes patience and restraint and self-control, and people won't understand why. And it will cause tension in your relationships. It'll cause tension in your family. It'll cause division in your life. Right? If you follow Jesus, this is what he says, I will cause conflict in your life. Your life will be messy. Okay? Your life will be messy. You'll be at odds almost constantly with the things that the world values. Now, if you think that Jesus was talking about an a, a inner psychological peace where you just find yourself and just feel calm all the time, um, and, and, and there is a part of Jesus who will do some of that for you. Don't mishear me. But if you think that's what the kind of peace he came to bring, I want to ask you to please look harder at Jesus this Christmas season because you got it wrong. You got him wrong. Okay? I'm just going to challenge you to take a harder look at him this season. So if it's not international peace, and Jesus kind of blows out of the water the fact that it's just kind of like relational, non-conflict, inner peace, Jesus is like, no, I came to blow peace up. Okay? Well, here's a third thing that peace is not. It's not just a symbol. Okay? It's not just a symbol of peace. You know, sometimes we say, we sing songs, we, we hear the word peace, and we see it in the season, and we're like, well, well, clearly what God was doing when Jesus came to earth was just kind of like this unidentifiable feeling of peace. We can't really know what it means. We can't really experience fully until one day when we get to heaven. Right? One day when we get to heaven, when we think about peace, it's going to be a future peace. It's a peace that we're going to claim someday. Right? But that's not the case. Listen to what the angel said. It said, peace on earth. Okay? No, no, it came on earth. It's here. It's now. It's something tangible. It's something, it's, a, it's objective, real peace. Okay? Now, what Paul says to the Colossians in chapter 1 when he's writing to the church there, listen to what he says. He says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, through Jesus' death. See, what Paul is saying is, he said, there's been peace that has been brought to earth through Jesus, and it has to be received and experienced on earth through Jesus. It is not a future piece of things will one day be better. Paul is saying, angels saying, Jesus saying, it's something you have to experience now. You have to, because it's only offered now. Okay? God reconstructs us for peace. So, that's what peace isn't, okay? Let's get to the more fun part. All right. What is it? Okay, so, so what is it? And in and, and John chapter 14, I think Jesus unpacks for us, um, John 14 and 15 actually, but we're going to just kind of focus on one, um, what his peace really looks like. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14. It'll be on the screen behind me, but um, if you need a Bible, we want to give one to you for free. They're at the hub, which Chris mentioned. So go out there afterwards, grab it. But we're going to be in John 14, starting with verse 25. And just going to go through 27. Here's what Jesus says. All this I have spoken while still with you, 
But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Okay, okay. There's a lot there, okay, but we're just going to unpack a little bit of it here. Jesus is, is, is instructing his disciples. Here's essentially what he's doing throughout those chapters in John, the fascinating chapters, all right, on how they're to carry on after he's died and resurrected. How are they to carry on? So that kind of would be us, so let's like really pay attention, right? How do you carry on with, with the mission now? And he tells them, I'm going to give you peace, Okay. Very Christmassy, John chapter 14. Doesn't feel like it, but it is. Very Christmassy. John chapter 14, I'm going to give you peace. Now, what Jesus could have said to his disciples is, I'm going to leave you strength. Strength. And we would have been like, yeah, cool. Leave us with your strength, Jesus. Um, he could have said, I'm going to leave you with power to do good. And we would have been like, yes. That's a great gift, Jesus. Leave us with the power to make good decisions because I'm always making bad ones for myself, for my family, all right? God, just give me the power to be good. He could have left that with you. He could have said, I'm going to leave you with um, how, to, how to live a committed religious life, right? He could have left us with that. In fact, and we would have received that. We would have said, I want to obey the rules better. I need to pray more. I need to go to church more. I need to actually live out the things that I say I believe. I just help me to live a more committed religious life. And all of those things, if Jesus said, I give you this, those would have been fine. We would have received those. But that's not what he left us. That's not what he said. He said, I give you peace, and not just any peace, not just the peace that the, our culture kind of defines or that we may have defined when we first walked in here this morning, right? but he says, I'm going to give you my peace, my peace. Right? So what is, in John chapter 14, what does Jesus say about his peace? Because I'm telling you, more than anything else you want this season, you want what he's offering. You want his peace. So what is it? Here's the first thing I see. He talks about in John chapter 14 of keeping my commandments. Right? Verse 20, no, sorry, backtrack. Verse 15, in that chapter, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I'll ask the Father to send you the Spirit. So if you and I want to like claim this peace that we're being invited into, Jesus says, there's an element of my peace that you won't experience unless you keep the commandments I've given you. Okay? That makes sense. Okay, Jesus says peace will be discovered when you live and love and do as I do. Now, that doesn't shock you at all, does it? I mean, it doesn't. Jesus says, if you forgive people and release your claim on resentment, peace will flood your life because I told you to forgive. Okay, if you're generous with your resources, and you open-handedly give them away, God will fill your hands with blessing and peace. Why? Because I told you to be generous, and you're doing it. Do you see, you see how this goes? If you serve other people with compassion, not judgment, not judgment, not that, well, they, they deserve to be in the spot they're in because they made bad, bad choices earlier in their life or yesterday. But no, no, no. If you just serve people with compassion, you'll start to gain a heart for people, the same heart that God has for them, and it will 
draw peace into your life because you're loving people like Jesus told you to. You see what happens? Listen, this isn't rocket science. Every teenager in this room and anybody who used to be a teenager, okay, they, you know this, but you push it against it anyway, okay? You obey your parents about some things, and your household is less angry, all right, less tense and less miserable, right? And you know it's true, teenagers. You know it, okay? And, and if you used to be a teenager, you know this. If you just obey your parents, things are less angry in your home, less miserable, and less tense. All right, listen. This is kind of true. Verse 23 in that same chapter of 14, he says, those who love me, he repeats it again, keep my teachings, and the Father will come and make our home with them. Now, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Not only will he send the Spirit of God in you, but he says the Father and I will come and make our home in you. What level of intimacy is that? Jesus says, stay close to me. Stay close to me. With every doubt, every question, every insecurity, every failure, I'm right here with you. I've never been closer. I've never been closer. I can't get any closer. Trust me. And you'll learn my peace because I'll be leading your life instead of you. Here's the second thing you see. When Jesus defines peace, you see him talk about, keep my commandments. He also says, remain in my love. And he says that many times. In fact, if you go into John chapter 15, you're going to see this theme repeat over and over and over again. Remain in my love. All right? His love is the driver for the obedience. And this is something that his peace, that's what he means, is you remain in my love. You're going to feel my love, and you're going to feel that peace. All right? You're going to experience it. Now, he doesn't say remain in your obedience, and he could have, and it would have made sense concerning what we just talked about. Now, church, Nathan, remain in my obedience. Remain in your obedience, and the Father and I will come and make our home in you. But that's not what he says, is it? It's not there. You can't find it. Remain in my love. Love drives our obedience. All right? It's not... Uh, church, if you could just remain with the rules. Church, if you could just remain being good enough, right? If you can just fit in your religious obligations this Christmas season, if you could just pray like you should, if you could just be the good Christian man or woman that you know you should be, if you could just do that, then I'll reward you with peace. Isn't that how we look for it? Isn't that what you were looking for when you came in here today? No, but it's not there. In fact, you're, you're believing something that has never, ever been printed or said in here. Remain in my love, his love. Here's something else. Reconstruction. To experience the, the, what, the, the peace that Jesus really talked about means that there's a renovation that needs to happen in your heart. And he says this. He says, what's the gift? The gift is the Holy Spirit. He says, like, he says it multiple times. Go read John 14 and 15 today. It's the best Christmas story, all right? The Holy Spirit, he's the gift. He's the one that brings peace, okay? He tears down whatever you came to him with, whatever, whatever kind of man you were, whatever kind of woman you were, he tears that down and reconstructs something 
new. It's going to be, I'm telling you what, when you follow Jesus, when you turn to follow Jesus, it's going to be a surgery after surgery. It's going to be a rending after just rending. Okay? It's going to be, it's going to be work because our Heavenly Father is going, and it's going to hurt. Okay? Because our Heavenly Father is going to tear apart pieces of you and remove them and rebuild something new. Yeah, Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, for which God prepared in advance for us to do. Good works. He's building you to do it. Listen, if you find your life messy because of Jesus, because you've been making decisions for him and trusting him, it's uncomfortable, it's messy, it's causing conflict. Let me tell you this. Great. Great. Because what that means is, God is tearing out the old stuff. He's tearing out the old stuff. Let, I, let me just kind of say this. If, if your life isn't messy, if there isn't conflict, if it isn't uncomfortable following Jesus, listen, he's remodeling some things in you and me, and he's desperate to do it so that you don't run on your own feelings anymore. And church, our culture is dying by running on our own psychology. We run our life based on our own thoughts and feelings. You don't run on what other people say. You don't run on your religious traditions, but on him. C.S. Lewis said it beautifully in, in the book he wrote, Mere Christianity. Listen to what he says. He says, God made us invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol. He's British, by the way. <laughs> and it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why... It is just no good to ask God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about faith. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it isn't there. God reconstructs you for peace. And here's something else that Jesus is talking about when he's talking about Christmas peace, the peace that he brings. I think, I think probably the best cartoon quote ever came from a nearly bald kid named Linus. All right? Charlie Brown was already there, but Linus was, was, was knocking on the door. All right? And Charlie Brown's Christmas. All right? King James Version is what Charlie Brown quote, or I'm sorry, what Linus quotes. And he says this, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Luke chapter 2, 14. God's peace comes to earth, and it brings God's goodwill toward men. Isn't that great? I love that line. Best line in the whole movie. All right? Goodwill toward men. Do you know what that means, that when Jesus came, he brought peace to bring you goodwill? Do you know what that means? It means that before that time, there was ill will between you and God. Do you know that? There was ill will. God looked at you and saw ill will between the two of you. 
Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's a great song. There's a line in there that says, God and sinners reconciled. We, just, we sing right over it. This year. We'll probably sing it, I don't know, Darren, where are you? Maybe next week, I don't know. God and sinners reconciled, and we just kind of sing right over it. Do you understand what that means? That Jesus, there, there, there's no peace. There, you cannot experience Jesus' peace apart from God's goodwill and mercy. It's a gift he gave. Peace. Jesus fixes the sin problem that wrecked your heart and separated you and me from God. That's the peace that Jesus is talking That's the peace the angels were bringing. And the problem, the biggest problem that any of us will ever have with peace is that you and I, as Tim Keller says this, he says, you and I don't believe that we're at war with God. You really don't, in your heart, believe that you are at war with God. So we create religion. And we say, well, if I can just be good enough, and if I can just do the right things, then I can, I can earn God's favor, and he'll gift me with peace. And some of you will find that. I'm not going I'm not, I'm not to sell you a, you know, a load of dung. I'm going to use uh, Paul's word. All right? Some of you will find that in religion. You'll hear a great sermon, and you'll feel really good about it. You'll walk out, and you'll feel really good. Some of you will find some peace in religion. We'll sing some really cool songs, and it will give you a good feeling. And you'll walk out, and you'll say, that was a great sermon. Oh, my gosh, the songs, did you feel that chill? That was amazing. And those are beautiful things. And some of you will find peace in some of those things, and that's good. But I can tell you, that is temporary, and that is subjective peace. You walk out those doors, and that peace can be robbed from you like that. But that's okay. If that's the kind of peace you're coming to look for, you can find it. Religion will give you peace. Subjective, incomplete, and partial. Many of us want that subjective peace. You want things to feel better in your life. You want things to have less conflict in your life. You want the people in your life, just for the love of God, to do the things you want them to do. And then you'll find peace. Some of us want the subjective peace without ever receiving the objective peace from Jesus. And you're welcome to keep looking. Some of us have received that peace from Jesus, that objective peace, but you haven't been living out of it. You haven't actually been living out of it. Let me tell you this, Christians, those of you who have a follower of Jesus, those of you who say, I've claimed the objective peace, God and I are reconciled through Jesus, amen and hallelujah, and, and absolutely, but you haven't been living out of it. Because you're obsessed with eliminating every hard thing in your life. Each and every one of us is obsessed with eliminating every hard thing in our life. As if Jesus is, went to the cross to say, I want to relieve every tension you'll ever feel in your life. He didn't say, do you remember what he said? I came to bring fire. I came to divide. I came to disrupt and make a mess of your life. <laughs> Merry Christmas, right? See, some of you have, have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, but you've not been living out of that peace 
because you've been trying to eliminate everything in your time with God alone. You say, God, if you were really just active and moving in my life and you would have more of my commitment, if you would just do the things that I asked you to do, if you would just fix the relationships or bring about the relationships in my life that I want. If, I, I, if, if God, if you and I were good, I'd have plenty of money. I wouldn't have to go get these tests next week that could, that could say something about my health that I don't want to know. You've not been living out of Jesus' peace. You're obsessed with eliminating every conflict. And if you don't have a clear picture of your future and how you're going to get there, well, God doesn't give me peace. And you're discontent and you're stressed. And I'll tell you why. Because you're following Jesus as a Christian, but you're running the show. And you're taking control. And you're not living out of the peace. Listen, Romans chapter 7, starting verse 21. Listen to what Paul says. He describes this, our hearts. Listen, he said, So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within my members. You know what Paul's saying to the Romans there? You're at war. Your natural to heart's tendency and mine is to say, God, I appreciate it, but I've got a better way. It always is. Our natural heart's tendency is to rebel against God. I've got a better way. I can run the show better than you can. And see, some of us that come to God, and we'll come to him in the Christmas season, and we'll say, God, I could use your guidance. And you come to God and you ask him for some wisdom. You, God, I could use your advice and you treat the Bible like a magic eight ball. God, and so some of us believe I need God's guidance. I need God's help. And you don't realize that you're at war with him. I mean, war. And what you need is you need reconciled. What you need is you need reconciled with God. And Keller, in one of his books, later says, he says, here's the secret. I love it. I'm going to share it with you right now. Here's the secret to receiving Jesus' peace. You have got to admit that you're at war with God. That in your heart you hate him. You resent him. That you disagree with him. You find him really hard to trust and that there's a really good chance you have a better way. And you have to admit that. Next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating baptisms up here. It'll be our last baptism Sunday of the year. If you have never made the decision to place your faith in Jesus and surrender to him through faith and baptism, listen, here's my invite to your heart. Some of you need to meet God at the waters of baptism where you admit, perhaps for the first time, I've been at war with you, God. Yeah, I've called, I've asked you for guidance. Yeah, I've prayed for your wisdom. Yeah, I've asked for your help. But I've never told you, Father, that I've been at war with you and that in my heart left alone. I hate you. And I don't trust you. And next Sunday, we're going to celebrate baptisms. Those of you who are ready this season to say, I don't want to be at war with God anymore. 
because the greatest need that I have is reconciliation between my God and me. I want to step into faith in Jesus to make it right, to heal, to make it whole. And if that's a decision that you need to make, I would invite you at the end of our service to come talk to one of us out down front. You can contact me or Chris Emmons sometime this week, and we'd love to talk to you about that. Here's the final thing as we close. How you discover Jesus' peace in your life. Listen, this is it. I'm going to leave you with this. That you will be a peacemaker. Now, you've heard that before, possibly, if you've been with us for any amount of time. You probably, maybe you've heard that, that you will be a peacemaker. Listen, like, can, I share, can I share with you as, as, as something that's completely expected here? It's not unexpected. And that is, in the end, God's peace wins. There, I ruined the story for you. In the end, peace wins. Like, ultimate peace. And as you experience Jesus' peace flood into your life, you will not be able to help contain it. It will flow out of your life. If peacemaking will flow out of your life, and so, so it will flow out to others. And so as we approach this Christmas season, especially our Christmas Eve services, I challenge you, Crystal, to continue to challenge you, who is the person? Who is the person to whom you need to bring the peace that we're learning about? You need to bring it to them. You need to invite them to, to, to join you on a journey. You need to start the conversation or continue the conversation by inviting them to attend a Christmas Eve service with you. You're a peacemaker. It's your job. That will ooze out of you when you've experienced his. Peace will win. God has reconstructed, listen church, God has reconstructed your life out of the chaos and disunity and distrust that was in your life. He has reconstructed it for peace. And if you are at peace with God through Jesus, you will discover peace in your life. That is a guarantee. I love how John chapter 14 reads from the message version of the Bible. Jesus' words. I am leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. Peace. I don't leave you the way that you're used to being left, feeling abandoned or bereft. So don't be upset. And don't be distraught. Pray with me. Jesus, we receive it. In humility, in admission of sin, of being soaked in guilt, we receive your peace, Father, from your Son, Jesus. Amen.